This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BBB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. Hello, America, and welcome to Monday, Saturday. What the press is saying could be a terrorist plot uh, hit in New York, New Jersey, and Minnesota. We'll have the latest on that. ISIS is claiming credit for the stabbings in Minnesota. We've got to ban those knives. And uh, Benedict Arnold and Edward Snowden. Is Edward Snowden a patriot or a uh, villain? I will tell you, I saw the movie uh, Snowden this weekend. When I talked to, uh, what's his face, Uh, communist lover Oliver Stone Stone on Friday, I hadn't seen, I've only seen, oh, come on, he is a communist lover. Um, I had only seen. He hangs out with dictators all the time. I had only seen about an hour of his movie. I saw the whole movie this weekend, and it's really worth seeing. And I think we need to decide whether this guy is a patriot, not based on the Oliver Stone movie, whether this guy is a patriot or a villain. Because what he did alert us to is absolutely horrific. And Mike Lee is going to join us from Washington because there's more. They now are putting into effect December 1st uh, new changes that... If you apply for a warrant uh, for search and seizure, if you are looking at uh, some of the, you know, malware, the bot nets, it will allow you just one, uh, one warrant will allow you to open up millions of computers. Anybody who had that virus, you now are at stake. It's out of control. And Mike Lee, one of the good guys who's standing up against it, and standing for the Constitution joins us right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program, Senator Mike Lee. Lot to talk to you about, sir. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for Thank having me you. on your show. Thank you. Can we uh, can we start with the idea of uh, the um, the bombings, the terrorist bombings this weekend? Do you have any uh, information that we may not have access to, Mike? You know, I don't. Uh, there has been a, a rush for information on this. Uh, initially, there were indications suggesting that this was an act of uh, international terrorism or terrorism with international links. 
authorities have now backed down on that claim, not saying that that isn't the case, but just saying they don't yet have enough information, and I don't have anything beyond that. So, Mike, you know, I saw Snowden this weekend, and I think we need to decide as a people whether he is a hero or a villain, and it may be that he's a little of both. Um, It may be that he needs to go and spend time in uh, prison, but what he brought to the forefront is absolutely horrifying. And um, and we are bogged down in this argument of, well, I don't know if I trust him because he might be a bad guy. Yeah, he might be. But again, what he told us was the truth. And they're wanting to expand it. If they get a warrant for me uh, under the FISA uh, rules now, by the time they are just using my contact list and up to three levels past it, they are... They have access to records of 2.8 million people. That is not the spirit of the Constitution at all. And we're still having things like this happen in America. What's the solution here? Because they are asking for more access. Yeah, okay, so we're talking about two different things here. You're, You're talking about the use of telephone metadata. And there were a lot of people who were understandably concerned about this, especially at a time when the NSA was collecting telephone data on every telephone in America, every single one, yours, mine, everybody else's. If you had a telephone, NSA was collecting data, data regarding who you called, who called you, when you talked, and how long you talked. Um, From this data, anyone examining it could be able to discern all kinds of private things about you, the condition of your health, your age, your sex, your marital status, your employment status, what you do for a living, what your hobbies are, your political affiliation, and so forth. That's wrong. It's none of their business. It's one of the reasons why we brought that to an end with the measure that uh, Democratic Senator Pat Leahy and I introduced called the USA Freedom Act. Now they have to go through a much more stringent set of procedures, and they ha- any telephone data they want to collect has to be linked to an actual investigation. Do you believe the other that issue, they, do, wait, wait, do you believe they're actually doing that, Mike? Yes, I do. I do. Now, well, why? Because they, they, they did say, they did say, they lied to you, they perjured themselves to you when they said they weren't collecting things on, on average citizens, and nobody went to jail for that. Why do you that believe right. them now? Well, in that, circum- in that circumstance, they made that statement publicly. Privately, they were telling members of Congress the whole truth, uh, which was inconsistent with that particular truth. And that was, frankly, the beginning of the end. That was shortly before they acknowledged the existence of the program. But members of Congress... Uh, were given classified briefings about that program before we were allowed to talk about it. This is why it put a lot of us in a difficult circumstance when we were asked to vote on reauthorizing the Patriot Act, as I was called upon to do shortly after I was sworn into office. I refused to do it, but I wasn't allowed to talk publicly about all the reasons why, why, because those were classified reasons. But as I explain in in, uh, Chapter 5 of my book, Our Lost Constitution, which tells this whole story, uh, the minute we start talking about constitutional restrictions, about the letter and the spirit of the Fourth Amendment, which says that the government can't use general warrants against you. It can't go out and just say, bring me the information on the bad guys. Bring it all to me. Right. The minute we start talking about that, we can rein in our government. We can restore our Fourth Amendment. So tell me about this latest attempt, and it is going into law, if nothing changes, uh, December 1st. Sure. Okay, so the uh, Department of Justice... Uh, and uh, has made a request, and the Supreme Court has recently agreed to change the federal rules of criminal procedure, specifically Rule 41B6B, which would allow the Department of Justice to get a single warrant from a judge of uh, the department's choosing 
uh, a warrant to allow the Department of Justice to access and search millions of computers across the country, across state lines, across all kinds of jurisdictional lines. Now, the Department of Justice claims that this is authority that's necessary to ensure the efficient prosecution of, of these botnets or these illegal networks of infected computers. Mm-hmm. But this new ability, while it's touted as a simple procedural change, would allow the government to access millions of computers with the approval of just one judge. And this starts to look a little bit more like the, the, the general warrant that I mentioned a few minutes ago and that, yeah. that I discussed in my book, that the general warrants that were used by King George III and his ministers uh, that, that, that prompted us to adopt what is now the Fourth Amendment. So this is a rule that's going to kick in on December 1st unless we in Congress do something about it. And so uh, uh, several of us, including Senator Leahy and myself, who serve on the Judiciary Committee together, are asking the chairman of the Judiciary Committee to hold hearings on this uh, very soon so that we can get a rain on it. This, this rule will go into effect December 1st unless Congress moves to block this rule or to change it. And so uh, we want to make sure that everybody has all the information necessary and that we proceed very, very cautiously before adopting something like this that would give so much power to the government. Explain to people, I mean, Mike, um, I know you don't see rated R movies, um, and I generally don't either, although I've been lapsing lately. Um, I, uh, I saw Snowden this weekend, and uh, it's terrifying. It's honestly a movie that I think every American should see. Now, I, I, I take it with a grain of salt because it was done by Oliver Stone. However, I've done enough of my homework to know that what is said in that movie, not necessarily the way it, it happened um, to make you, you know, fall in love with Edward Snowden, but what he said uh, and exposed, that's all true. And they spent a lot of time, his girlfriend in the movie, who's now over with him in Russia, uh, he did not tell for a long time. And she's like, and he, you know, he started saying, don't put that online. Don't don't take that photograph. Don't do those. Don't don't type that. And she was like, "Why?" And he said he blamed it on the Russians and said there's Russian things going on and they can get in. She said, "Is anybody watching me?" And he said, "No, no, no. It's just you know they could." And I just I can't talk about it. And um, uh, she said, "Well, it doesn't matter. I don't have anything on my computer anyway." And they really make a strong case that. Falling into, not this president, maybe not even the next president, but at some point, somebody with access to this much information can come up with an enemies list and say, destroy them. And they will. Yes, Do you, that's a big, pr- sorry, go ahead, I'm interrupting. No, I, go ahead. I, I, my question was, do, is, is this what's driving your concern? How real do you believe that is that innocent Americans can be put on to an enemies list because of political correctness or political incorrectness or for whatever reason and and shut down? Oh, look, there's no question that that is a real concern. No question whatsoever. Now, and we don't even have to prove that it's going on right now. I, I, I know of no reason to believe that that particular thing is happening right now. But what we do know, Glenn, is that we've seen this movie before, and we know how it ends. Remember the, the church committee uh, headed by Idaho front, uh, Senator uh, Frank Church back in the 70s? Uh, yeah, the church barely. committee concluded in its report that in every presidential administration, 
from FDR all the way through Nixon. Our country's intelligence gathering agencies had been used to engage in political espionage, meaning to collect information on political enemies and use it for the political benefit of whoever was in charge. So we know that this sort of thing happens. We know that this is what human beings do when they're given unrestricted power. Not that human beings are, 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 are evil by nature, but they are fallible. And when they get a little bit of power, they tend to abuse it unless that power is restrained. So, yeah, they, this is exactly what happens, and this is exactly why we need a Fourth Amendment. So I, I think the three most important words we can utter when we talk about the Fourth Amendment or any other provision of the Constitution, limiting government, are the words, this is why. When we see a risk like this coming along, we say, this is why we have a Fourth Amendment. Or this is why we have separation of powers. This is why we have federalism. All these things are designed to protect us from the risks of too much power being concentrated in the hands of the few. It's interesting, though, Mike, because uh, so many people don't believe that that's possible. So many people don't. Even when you say probably not this president, maybe not even the next, but eventually... And they don't even buy that because they think, well, this is America. That can't happen. And, and at the same time, you have people now making enemies lists on the air, yeah. listing people yeah. and saying, you're never part of this again. I mean, the enemy list is already being done. Now, not turned over. And essentially, to the, the Republican Party said it over the weekend. Yes, yes. they did. Uh, right, right. And, and so you, you add to that fact, which is itself disturbing in and of itself, you add to that fact the fact that it's far easier to do things like this today than it ever has been. And I know of no reason why we'd be willing to say this is America, it can't happen here. Why? Well, because it is America and it has happened here. It's happened here over and over and over again with technology that made it a lot harder to do in the past than it is now. So why would we be so quick to assume that all of a sudden government now is going to be run only by holy and pure men and women uh, who will never make mistakes and who will never do bad things with government power? I think a lot of people say, as long as it's my side doing it, you know, um, there are people who are standing like you are for for the Constitution. And I think there's a lot of Republicans, you know, we saw it. Why did the Republicans not take care of the IRS. Why, why did they allow that to stand? I think it's because there's a lot of Republicans in power that want that power with the IRS when they're in power. Right, and, and all of this begs the question, my side, what does that even mean? What yes. is your side? Mm-hmm. If you have an R after your name, by the way, I wasn't born with an R or a D, uh, uh, on my ankle. Uh, uh, I, I haven't gotten it tattooed on since then. I don't intend to. Uh, whether you are a Democrat or a Republican or uh, you, you're a member of some other party or no party at all, it's impossible to define with clarity what it means for government to be on your side. That doesn't mean that if they're with you on one issue, they're going to be with you on another issue yes. always and forever. And in any event, there's a lot more than the partisan divide at play. A lot of the divide that's taking place today is not just between Democrats and Republicans, that's real too, but it's between the Washington political establishment and the American people. That's where the problem lies, and that's why we need a strong Fourth Amendment. Um, Mike, um, let, let's turn to politics here for just a second. What do you think of Reince Priebus coming out this weekend and saying, um, if you don't endorse Donald Trump, you're not going anywhere with the GOP? Yeah, 
look, I, I think he owes us an explanation on that, on what exactly he means by that. I, I, I really am not I sure. It was, uh, was pretty uh, clear what, that you won't get the backing of the GOP for any race in the future. Look, um, I'm not aware of any tenet of the Republican Party that uh, says to anyone that if they decline to get involved in, in one race or another, that they're going to be subject to punishment by that party. And if that's going to be the policy of this party moving forward, I think it will be a policy that will work to the detriment of this or any other political party. And if that's really what I'm saying, it's a big mistake. And I think I'll walk that back. Now, look, I get what you're saying. I, I, I get the fact that we're looking uh, at, at what many have characterized, perhaps correctly, as a binary choice, uh, a, a choice about which many people care very passionately. Uh, but that, that doesn't mean that making threats like that is ever appropriate. Uh, uh, certainly not in my political. Um, uh, Mike, how are you feeling about, uh, as the Senate, how are you feeling about the chances of the Senate? I've got about 30 seconds. About the Senate holding on no matter who wins? Uh, uh, look, I'm feeling very good about the likelihood of the Senate remaining in Republican hands. Ooh, um, uh, we've got uh, a 54-46 majority right now. I think uh, after the election, we're still going to have a majority. It might be narrowed a little bit, perhaps to yeah. 51 or 52, uh, right. but I do think we're going to hold it. Um, okay. Uh, look, we can do this together, Mike. but we've got to keep moving and we've got to we, we, we got to keep focusing on conservative principles and on constitutional principles, which okay. have made our country strong. Mike, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Mike Lee, senator from uh, Utah. Back in just a second. Now this. We all make mistakes, and Blinds.com knows this, and they know picking up blinds or uh, drapes or whatever you need is intimidating. So they've changed the way window treatments are purchased by making it simple and mistake-free. Tanya and I FaceTime with Blinds.com uh, with a consultant who took pictures of the room, superimposed images of the blinds we wanted or the drapes we wanted, and we loved it. Um, 100% satisfaction guarantee means that even if you mismeasure or pick the wrong color, they will remake your blinds for free. Get made-to-order custom blinds without paying custom prices at Blinds.com. Plus, you'll receive site-wide 20% discount now through September 30th when you use the promo code BECK. Go to Blinds.com, use the promo code BECK, save 20% through September 30th. That's Blinds.com, promo code BECK. See Blinds.com for details. We have one. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. The Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. 
That's uh, thanks to Mike Lee for bringing this to our attention. That goes into effect, by the way, uh, in December, December 1st of this year. Mike Lee is so good. Um, but it, you asked him about the political kind of story over the weekend of Reince Priebus uh, talking about uh, essentially you'll be punished. Yeah. If uh, if you do not come out and endorse Donald Trump as a Republican and it, Trump echoed those comments this morning, it's it, it's interesting because here's a guy who's risen to power specifically to fight against political correctness. But is there a more pure example of political correctness than if you don't endorse me, you will be punished? Yeah, that's exactly what the term means. And let's not forget, this is the same guy who said, I don't need you and I don't want you. And let's also remember that this is the guy who said, I'm okay. part of the GOP machine. Right. And now the GOP right. machine is grinding he's, its wheels. He's not a politician. He's not establishment. And now, uh, wow. It's really, inc- it's really amazing because we Phenomenal. think political correctness has, that term has been sort of, you know. Mold- Made into handy capable. Right. It's like, oh, well, you should be able to say handicapped instead of handy capable. And that's obviously, there's elements of it in there. Yes. But I mean, really specifically is, if you don't do what the party says, you will be punished is a much better example of the political word, correctness. And not saying Republicans or Democrats, saying the party, because political correctness yeah. was started by the communists. Mm. And if you didn't do what the party and the party leaders told you to do, then you were out of the party and sent to a camp. I mean, yeah. it's it's remarkable. It's remarkable. And This coming from the party that is supposed to be standing for A, the big tent, and B, the Constitution. But remember, it's a private organization. It has nothing to do with government. It's a private organization. Everybody looks at it as a part of government. It's not. The Republicans and Democrats are private. The Glenn Beck Program. program. So an explosion in Seaside Park detonated in a garbage can near the Semper Fi 5 charity uh, charity run, 9.35. The race was scheduled to start at 9.30, but because that there there were um, uh, scheduling problems, uh, they they were late. So the bomb went off and no one was around. Thank God. Thank God. And it was a military... A military. Uh, military. Char- a charity, right? Yes. Being benefited. Is yes. Uh, then... Um, uh, an IED ex- uh, exploded in New York City, um, and uh, Buck was there. We should get Buck on the phone just because he heard it, and he was like, "Well, that was a bomb." I mean, it happened right where he was. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't know. That. Uh, yeah, and and then. Michael Opelka, who also works for us, he was getting on a train to go into New York City. He was on the train. Yeah, um, and they stopped it to search everybody on the plane or to, to, uh, to question everybody on the train. Well, I think he was approaching Elizabeth, which is one of the big stations on, on that route, um, and also where this guy lived, apparently, the guy they believe is the, uh, you know, the person responsible. So they basically, and then, of course, they also found a bomb at this train station. 
Um, so and, and and so it went off with the, when robots were coming uh, to approach it uh, to try to disarm it. Um, and wow. uh, he was stopped and had to, I think, take an Uber into the city, which everybody apparently did. Uh, but it's, I mean, you know, there were several, several different locations all at once, and none of them, um, you know, killed anyone, thank God. There were some injuries, certainly, yeah. in the New York one. But if you see the footage of the New York uh, bombing, you see the glass is shattered yeah. with the ball bearings. I mean, this was intended to hurt people. Uh, it wasn't like, uh, hey, I'm going to send a message or, hey, let me see if I can build a bomb. This was, you know, I mean, it, it spread, you know, debris everywhere um, and, you know, could have killed dozens, if not more. There is a reason this is happening right before the election. There's a reason this is happening. You'll have to figure out what that reason is. I don't claim to know, but they are they are ramping things up at this time. It's amazing, too. For a reason. I mean, you know, obviously there's higher level things to be concerned about than the election. But it's interesting in that if you are a refugee, uh, if you are someone who wants to allow refugees into the country to set off more terrorist bombings in the future, if that's your concern, Mm -hmm. why you would do this before the election is is amazing. I mean, the guy was born in Afghanistan. He was, I guess, supposedly vetted, right? Uh, Here he is in the United States. Yeah, the person of interest that they're looking for. Right. Right. Um, And if he is responsible, which in all indications... So it is a refugee. It's a... He was born in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. He's a naturalized citizen. Wow. Um, uh, so it so wasn't a refugee. He wasn't one no. of these refugees that was brought in. Not anything okay. recent. He, no, he but was again, in Elizabeth. It just like obviously this plays to the point Donald Trump has been making, in that like we can't seem to you know figure out who to let in the country. Um, and so if you, but if you're a terrorist and you want people who are terrorists to be brought into the country, why are you doing this now? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fascinating uh, storyline, and it, maybe it's just that they don't they don't care. They just want to kill people, and they're crazy jihadists, and this is what they do. Very, mm, very this this is you know this was interesting that these all happened because now we jump across the country, go to Minnesota, yep. and a guy goes into the Crossroads Mall, and uh, he is dressed in a uh, security officer uniform, and he walks up to people, "Are you a Muslim?" "Nope," kills you, stabs you. Um, and he stabbed eight people before somebody, they thought at first, they thought at first it was just a guy with a concealed carry permit, uh, but it turns out it was an off-duty police officer who can carry um, in his off hours uh, that took this guy down, and they captured him. Um, He was mentioning uh, Allah and, you know, the Allah Akbar, asking people if um, they were Muslim, the police. So we we don't know the motive there. Yeah, it's what you're well, saying. Well, the police chief declined to, trying to, to call out. this an act of terrorism. Well, of course you would. Of course you would. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, yet. yeah. Local police have encountered him three previous times. They have not revealed his uh, identity yet. Um, and the police chief said they have no reason to believe anybody else uh, was involved. Probably like a Bob Smith. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was. Jones. I'm sure it was. <laughs> but Minnesota is, you know, we've got a lot of refugees, a lot of refugees in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see, you know. I, I will tell you that uh, CNN played a, a really interesting game over the weekend. Donald Trump came out right away and said that it was, uh, it was a bombing, uh, you know, the bombing in New York instead of an explosion. And the, the press immediately said, 
Oh, what do you mean bombing? Bombing? You can't say bombing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I know stupid controversy. But what happened was um, Hillary Clinton was asked uh, about Donald Trump's comments. How do you have this? Do you have the CNN or do you have the Raw? I have uh, I have the Raw. Okay, so I want you to hear this. Uh, in its entirety, this is the raw comments Hillary Clinton made on her plane at about a quarter to midnight on Saturday. I've been briefed uh, about the bombings in New York and New Jersey and the attack in Minnesota. Uh, obviously, we need to do everything we can to support our first responders, uh, also to uh, pray for the victims. Uh, We have to let this investigation unfold. We've been in touch with uh, various officials, including uh, the mayor's office in New York, uh, to learn what uh, they are discovering as they conduct this investigation. And I'll have more to say about it when we actually know some facts. Secretary, do you have any reaction to the fact that Donald Trump immediately upon taking the stage tonight called the explosion in New York a bomb? First question. Do, what, do you have any comment that Donald Trump <laughs> called this a bomb? Unbelievable. By the way, 30 seconds after she called it bombings. Bombings. Okay. She, she did no. use the ING, though. Yes, she, okay. I-N-G-S. So you have that. So, but now let me show you what CNN cut out. I'll just stop it when... Uh, when okay. Go ahead. I've been briefed uh, about the bombings in New York and New Jersey and the attack in Minnesota. Stop. That's what they edited out. What? <laughs> <laughs> but there's... What? So they took out the fact took that out she the called, fact them that she called them bombings. And then and she could bash that. Trump for calling them bombings. Right. Huh. Now, how is that the fascinating part of the story? Even- well, the other fascinating, if I may, the other fascinating part of the story is uh, that uh, she also said we have to support our first responders, you know, the woman who is standing with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, meeting with the heads of Black Lives Matter. That's different than saying, hey, because I know what's coming my way. Hey, let's listen to the people, not the leaders. We know what the leaders want. We disagree with the leaders. But the people who might be caught up in it, let's listen to them. She's meeting with the leaders of Black Lives Matter. We know what they want. The death, leaders who... Death to the police. And Marxism. Yes. Yeah. Communism. Yes. Their yes. whole manifesto their... was about that. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, it so, is straight out communism. So what is your interesting part of this? Well, I mean, first of all, it's a, it's a terrorist, ongoing terrorist <laughs> event. And what does the news do but take it? We, I mean, we just addressed this. I mean, it's, the, it's not the most important thing here, for the election results. But again, to try to capture uh, Donald Trump in some misstatement, they rather focus on that than focus on the they actual attack. They have to. Because no, no, they don't. I promise no, no, they no, don't. No, 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 I'm no. I'm not, I don't mean it that way. I mean, they are playing for a team, so they have to. Yeah, I you guess. Know, if we're, it, yeah. By the way, anybody who thinks we're for Clinton, we wouldn't be bringing this up if we were playing for a team. We'll do the same thing to Donald Trump that we'll do to her. When they're wrong, we'll point it out. Yeah, what a crazy new approach to radio. <laughs> I know. Wow, we're so, inventing a whole new format here. <laughs> so um, they have to do this because they're playing for a team. And terror is going to work to Donald Trump's advantage. 
Right. So so they, they, you're right. As a team member, they yes. go and try to say, well, this is an example of Donald Trump being erratic. This is him acting without information. What a crazy right. person this guy is. Instead of talking about the fact that, I mean, this is, it, you know, terrorism in and of itself shouldn't help one or the other candidates. It's about how they react to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the idea that one of the main divisions in this election has been should we let more people in to the country from terrorism-ridden areas uh, like, I don't know, Afghanistan? And Trump's position the entire time, well, the entire time Trump's position has covered people who would be <laughs> born in areas such as Afghanistan. We all know it's, it's morphed a few times, but the entire time it, is, it would, would restrict uh, immigration from those areas. So, I mean, it's a pretty clear example of uh, something that should work in Trump's favor. And you see the way the media is handling it. It's ridiculous. Of course, Trump's not. Oh, it's going to help. It's going to help Trump the way the media is handling it. I mean, because everybody, probably, look, everybody knows, everybody knows, left and right. Everybody knows not all Muslims are terrorists, but almost all terrorists are Muslim. Currently, the way what we're fighting right now, that doesn't mean there's not a, a terrorist from time to time at an abortion clinic that has been a Christian. Although, give me the number of those, Stu. Off the top of my head, I don't remember. But it's I think one. the number this Three. year is zero. zero. Right. This year, zero. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying since the set, you know, since Roe versus Wade, it's like six. Yeah. Yeah. So, literally. So occasionally there are others that are terrorists, but it is wildly rare in comparison to what we're dealing with coming from the Muslim community. And everybody knows that not all Muslims are terrorists, but almost all terrorists are Muslim currently. And to a, for the media to continue to deny that things are linked. ISIS came out with them all and immediately claimed responsibility for that. Uh, This is a soldier of ISIS. Um, We won't claim that it's even terror related. Well, they're claiming it. And every time this happens, and that's, this is why this hurts Hillary Clinton. If they're trying to help, they're hurting her. You know, fine with me, do what you want. But the American people are not with the press. The American people, both left and right, know the country is in trouble because we are denying reality. Right, because what, what did de Blasio call it? An intentional incident? Not terrorism, but an intentional incident, <laughs> which is really a scary uh, way to place an it. An intentional incident. Yes, it was intentional. It was an incident. I will right. give him both and of those I things. contend that nobody on the left, very few on the left, except the political players and the media, actually say those kinds of things, believe those kinds of things. They know how bad ISIS is. They know that we have terrorists in our own country. They know that not all mosques are bad, but there are bad mosques. Not all Muslims are bad, but there are bad Muslims. They know these things. And to continually deny them is what takes common sense people and pushes them over to somebody who will say ban all Muslims. Well, no, no, that's not a good idea either. But if you have to choose between the two, most people will start to go, you know what, because they're afraid. And there's nobody that knows better than progressives what fear does. 
You should, if there's a book written about that, that would oh, be really man. interesting. Oh, man. One that um, one that would show the lies that are right, like, based in well, fear? Focusing on the people who make the lies, like you know, uh, for example, the liars. Many, nothing like that. Nobody would ever... No. no, wait, guys, I wrote one. It's called Liars. Oh, really? It's available oh everywhere. Wow. It explains the whole We're thing. Like a hundred years ago? What a happy coincidence. Mind. It is. It's amazing. Huh. <laughs> it's almost like that was thought out in advance. <laughs> and now this. The money that you have in deposit in your bank, most likely owned by the bank with a promise that they'll pay you back. But if the bank doesn't have enough money to pay all the creditors, what happens? That's why people are keeping cash or gold at home. This is what's happening in Germany and in Japan. They are ahead of us. In fact, the safe market over in Germany and Japan, it's very hard to find a personal safe over in Germany and Japan right now because everybody's taking their money out of the banks. Everybody's taking their cash and turning it into gold. Everybody knows in those countries who experienced it in World War II, what it means when your currency is worthless and what it means when you can't get access to things. Liberty Safe, number one for a reason, uh, because they're tough. Liberty Safe, the best built safe on the planet bar none. They'll survive dynamite blasts. They can drop them from 200 feet and they stay closed. Uh, Tornadoes have picked them up. Fire has burned the house down all around it. The only thing standing is the chimney in the safe. They survive. Liberty Safe now offering rebates of up to $250 when you buy a Liberty Safe. Go to libertysafe.com and click on my picture and type in the promo code Glenn and you'll save up to $250. It's a limited time offer, so do it now. Best made safe on the planet. Go to libertysafe.com. Use the promo code Glenn. Save up to $250. Libertysafe.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. You know, it's fascinating. You watch the, you watch the polls, and is anybody else to the point to where full-fledged convinced Donald Trump now is going to win? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he even flip-flopped on this one. Oh, my God. I mean, changes all the changed time. nightly almost. Yeah, but I'm there, too, because yeah. we were full-fledged. He's not going to. Well, you know, well, first we, he was going to win. Then we thought, no, no he's not, not going to win. Now and now I'm back to he is good to win. Again, he's one reason why I am, the reason why I am more convinced than ever is because of uh, Roger Ailes. I see Roger Ailes' fingerprints all well, over him. The birther and, thing is a good example of this. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, here's a mi- another misstep. Roger Ailes. Another misstep. A misstep. The guy came out on a Friday before a, a, a weekend. And came out and just with one sentence said, oh, yeah, by the way, that thing I've been fighting for for five years, yeah, I completely disagree with it. He was born in Hawaii, and I'm the reason why it happened. And then stops talking about it again. I, to me, this that is co- so bizarre, though. Why? Quite, quite hey. a cle- clear example, though, I to hate. get this to be, I believe, boring before the debates. Right. It's, it's now it's an right. old story yeah, before the debates Roger, This is that Roger is Ailes cutting the forest and burning all the tinder. <laughs> Yeah, what he's doing. Yes, it you is. No Tinder. I've already it said is. that, Hillary. It is your campaign that started it. I stopped it. Yep. That's that's all he did. And put it in That's the past. Roger Ailes. And then when they ask about it, he'll have that answer. 
Yeah. Uh, it was actually a really smart piece of political strategy, I guess, because yeah. they, they were eventually going to hit him on this issue. He fought oh, yeah. for it for a long yeah. time. If you enjoy lies, it was incredibly smart. Well, <laughs> I, think God is, I, think I think God is using Roger Ailes, and we all know how <laughs> pious Israel yes. is, too. Right. Right. <laughs> this is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Well, there's some amazing things. Hillary Clinton with another anti-Semite uh, we'll get into. Also, the Haitian Senate president explo- exposed the Clinton Foundation, saying, quote, Hillary tried to bribe me. We'll get to that here in a second. President Obama said a low turnout by black voters would be an insult to me. That I really want to concentrate on. And Jane Goodall has come out and said that Trump's behavior is similar to a male chimpanzee. Oof. Imagine if that was said about Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama. Oh, my gosh. Uh, any Democrat. about Obama? You say that about any The sky Democrat, would be falling on her right now. The sky would be falling. But I guess you could just... I mean, if, as long as you're politically correct, as long yeah. as you're on the power side, you yeah. can say whatever you want. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is interesting. From the Huffington Post, Trump's behavior, similar to male chimpanzee, says says Jane Goodall. Donald Trump uh, annex remind famed anthropologist Jane Goodall of the primates, primates she spent decades studying in the wild. Imagine anyone saying this about anybody else. In many ways, the performances of Donald Trump remind me of male chimpanzees and their dominance rituals. In order to impress rivals, males uh, seeking uh, to rise in the dominance uh, perform uh, spectacular displays, stamping, slapping the ground, dragging branches, and throwing rocks. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not seen uh, Donald Trump dragging branches. uh, Or throwing rocks. Or throwing rocks or stamping and slapping the ground. but, Mm -hmm. but But other than that... It's exactly the same. Exactly the same. Other than being completely different, it's exactly the same. So what she's saying is obviously not literal. Yeah. But you can say that and not be uber careful of saying, now I obviously don't mean this literally. I obviously don't mean that he's actually a chimpanzee. You don't have to. Don't mean that that he's actually dragging branches. She doesn't have to say any of that. Everybody knows what she's talking about. He's trying to puff himself up and he's throwing rocks, not literal rocks. Mm-hmm. He's trying to, that's, okay, we, got, we understand what she's saying. Got it. You can agree or disagree, but we got it. They treat this as a logical and okay conversation to have, oh, yeah. which it is. However, reverse this. 
have anyone on the right say anything like this about anyone and take out Barack Obama because of the the historic mm-hmm. monkey charge. OK, get get rid of all of the racist Racial elements. Yeah, the race, you know, the, the historic racist stuff. OK, so don't use him because I think he is a different example because of the racist history. However, say that about anybody else. Do you think I could get away with saying Hillary Clinton reminds me of a baboon because of her big red butt or which monkey has the big red? I mean, right? You can't say that. You couldn't say that. Now that I've said that, I realize I just have said that out loud. So that's really a bad thing. As an example. I'm using it as an example. Okay. Right. I mean, just the fact that you're generalizing an entire group of people or uh, supporters of a particular person as yeah, a, it, in a negative way would be looked. It'd be a firestorm. It would. It, it would be, you know, the same. You, you'd hear that. It, it would start every sentence that's right. written about you see, here's what, now until right, the end of time. End of time. Just so, like the other thing. Beck, yes. who called Hillary Clinton a uh, yeah. once called and compared her to a baboon. It'd, it'd right. be the same thing. So it'd be the same thing. So what, what is so irritating, and this is where we have to stop. We have to stop. And, mm-hmm. and we have to stop. The people on the left have got to stop. The people on the right have got to stop. Two rights don't make a wrong. We have to stop accusing people Big of... Way around, but what? Two wrongs don't make a right. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. Two wrongs don't make a right. Mm-hmm. Um, we... We have on this show tried to give people the benefit of the doubt, like I just did with Jane Goodall. Yeah, I could have just bashed her for saying this, and how dare her say? I understand what she's trying to say. I don't necessarily agree with it. Everybody does, and, and yes, the only time the they problem. don't is when somebody on the right says something. Correct, correct. Everybody does. It's the only and time. if they don't, then they prove me right on how progressives look at people as cattle. Yeah, these people are too stupid. To know anything of what's good for them. And so we have to control them. We're the only smart ones. So which is it? You're being intellectually dishonest. Or you actually believe you are superior to half the country. I want to believe you're just being intellectually dishonest. So let's have honest conversations. Can we do that? It would be nice. Now, let's have this conversation Low black voter turnout would be a personal insult. I will consider, this is Barack Obama, I will consider it a personal insult, an insult to my legacy if this community lets down its guard and fails to activate itself this election. You want me to get a, give, you want to give me a good send off? Go vote. Wow. Let's let's talk about this here for a second. <laughs> Just calling out, calling out the action to vote, right? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so let, let's talk about this. First of all, um, you want to give me a good send off. Why should people in the black community give him a good send off? He's done nothing for him. What? I mean, I think the exact exact opposite. Yeah. He's hurt. No. He has. Oh, well, he did heal all the racial wounds. Except yeah, that's pretty much seems to be over, right? That. I mean, now I think we're all set. Why? Why should anyone give him a good send off? Seriously, set back race relations in this country forty years, easily fifty years, easily, easily. easily. We're back in the early sixties now. 
I think race. And beyond that, just look at unemployment. Look, unemployment's unemployment numbers are with the youth in 50, 60 percent. If you look at the standard of living, it's gone down. If you look at uh, the number of poor, it's gone up. Mm-hmm. What has he done? What has he done? Now, that's the first thing. The second, I'd consider it a personal insult. Politics is personal. This is the problem with our country. Everything is personal. No, that has nothing to do with you. you you're, I don't know if you know this, Barack, but you're not running And even if you were running, just because I don't vote for you doesn't mean it's a personal insult. And the third thing in that, he's expecting all blacks to vote in In mass in a block for a certain party. Yes. Now, why would they? Right. Why would they? Why? I want you to, if, if, if anybody can defend this, I'd love to hear from you. How can you possibly defend saying to a group of people, you owe it to us. You have to vote, or it will be a personal insult to me. It'll be bad. How could you possibly not vote for this candidate? Even though the guy who has done it has done nothing for them. Even though the guy who is going to replace uh, him, they don't necessarily like They're not voting for her. Mm -hmm. They're not going out and voting because they don't believe in her. But do it anyway, because it will be a personal insult to me if you don't. Right. And wrong. In fact, he goes on to say, um, good send off. You got to vote for me. I think he. No, I guess that's it. I thought it was somebody else that said something. Um, Others are taking it a step further and saying, you know, this is, this is detrimental to the country if you just don't follow in the block. I, mean, I would be uh, insulted uh, as a voter if they even asked that of me. If, you, if you, you're asking me to vote for a candidate because you will be, you will be insulted if I don't, you, will be hurt. you think your legacy will be hurt uh, if I don't do that? I mean, that's offensive to even ask. Right? I mean, I, I, that's Check not your how you're brain. supposed to vote. Check your brain at the door. Especially when his this. record is so terrible <laughs> with the black community. Uh, they've gone backward. It, not just the race relations in this, in this country have gone backwards, but so has, uh, so has the black community because economically they're worse off. Job-wise, they're worse off. The families are worse off. The murder rate Again, worse off. Tell All me, of it tell me, worse. Tell me what she has done. What she has done, not him. I can tell you what he's done. The tell me what community? she has done. Because uh, it's about her. I can't think of what she's done for anybody. Right. I could look at the party and say, what, have, what has the party done for the black community ever? What has the party done to actually help the black community? Wasn't civil rights, because that was that, the, those were the Republicans. Republicans. So even with their own argument, the Republicans came bad after the civil rights movement. So it wasn't civil rights. So what has the Democratic Party done for the black man? What, what, what has it done? 
What has Barack Obama and what has Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton done for the black family? If they had done something, his argument wouldn't be, you're going to hurt my feelings if you don't vote for Hillary. Correct. It would be, hey, look at all these incredible accomplishments. You should vote for those. Instead, it's, well, look, you know, I mean, I, he's, he is saying those things as well, but you wouldn't need this personal plea if the argument was obvious. If it was, wow, we've changed the lives of African-Americans and made things so much better, that would be an easy argument to sell to people. You wouldn't yeah, need would. to say, you'll hurt my feelings if you don't cast if, this vote. If it actually helped. Right. He'd that's be, an easier path, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's not easier. It's probably harder. But, I mean, it's a more direct path. So if the, if, the Repub- if the Democratic Party had done some things and they um and they came and said hey we've done some things for you and even though you really don't like hillary clinton because of her husband's record and everything else you really don't like her uh you you would be you wouldn't be offended if they said it's not going to hurt my personal feelings but you need to vote for her because the democrats because the Democrats. <laughs> right. They're, they're Democrats, and, and these guys are Republicans, and these guys are evil. Seems like a terrible way to vote, right? I mean, you don't, you don't do that. You vote... Oh, no, I was about to say something really bad. I was about to say, you vote your conscience. Oh, my, oh my, gosh. my gosh. I'm sorry to offend the you audience. I, I didn't mean to go there. But I will say this. Monger I hate. will say this. If, if African-American voters don't vote... Uh, for Hillary Clinton, uh, just because she's a person that they don't like or agree with on things, well, they own it. I will say that. They own it. Let's say it again. They own it. Like, it's a really important intellectual point. They own it. Stu, will you hold them personally? I will hold them personally responsible. Oh, my gosh. Now. They own it. Now, if you Wait, hold on. Me, let me say it 13 more times. They own it. If you tell me you're a mauve belt or something. No, now, I would never go that <laughs> Even after that, because then I'll really be scared, and so will right. they. It's an interesting right. point, though. Is it not the exact same argument? How can you criticize Obama and what he's saying today? If, you, if you're doing the exact same thing to other voters. I, I don't know. Saying. I don't know what you're saying. All I'm saying I is. will be personally, I will feel. All right. We I will it. hold you personally. Personally is the I word in it. both cases. This is getting even more and more interesting. It uh, is. Well, I'll just say that. They it own is. it. All right. Hey, guys, <laughs> they own it. Got it. Hold on. Let me say it again. They we own it. it. We got they it. They own it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Jordan would like to defend President Obama. Hello, Jordan. Uh, I guess I'm just going with Stu's point. I mean, Glenn, to be honest, besides your show on Pat and Stu, every other, uh, oh, virtually every main conservative talk show radio host is doing the same thing. You know, the the Republican Party has done nothing but hurt conservatives over the past mm. 25 years, and they're demanding mm. you must come out and support in record numbers Donald Trump or else. That's Hillary Clinton will get in. They're doing That's the same thing. Tough to argue with. I, you know, I when I saw this, I, I, I didn't, I didn't put those together. I'm glad you did. It's an interesting so, point. I just, I don't want to hear it anymore from white conservatives saying that you know the black population just always votes against their interests. I'm sorry, white uh, conservatives do the same thing. And we, uh, would you have ever said that before this year? Oh, no, no. I mean, no, I'm a, I'm a millennial, and yeah. I don't think that people understand how much damage before. this is doing to my generation. I don't, I don't want to vote Republican anymore. I'm, I'm a libertarian conservative, and this has just thrown everything out the window. I will tell you, Jordan, I was having a conversation with somebody just this weekend on that, 
What people don't understand is there is such a shift, a generational shift, that the Republicans are, are thinking short-term, win this election. They don't have any freaking clue as to what's happening in the next generation. And this is a... You want to talk about building a wall. This election is a wall that I don't think millennials will ever be able to hurdle. They will never. They don't want to hurdle it. They don't want to climb over it. It has made this. You remember in the 1970s, there was a difference between like the Honda Civic and the big, huge like Pontiac Bonnevilles. Mm-hmm. Honda Civics are now strangely, even though they're Bonnevilles, they're strangely the Democratic Party. They're cooler. The Republicans have become the Pontiac Bonneville 1972-1978. Completely unrelatable. This also isn't just politics, even uh, spiritually and religiously. I mean, I'm I'm a very church-going person, but to see the churches come out and support Donald Trump I mean, it hurts millennials' trust of even organized religion. I know. And so I, I just people don't understand what my generation is looking at this and how it will kill the Republican Party long-term, like Ben Shapiro says. I, I will tell wow. you, Jordan, I, I am so glad that you are listening to this program. I am so glad that you called in. You are exactly right. Um, it is the next step in everything you thought you could trust has become liquid. There is everything, the churches um, that are playing the old game. There is a mind, um, there is a mind shift, a paradigm shift of thinking that people need to understand. And it is between people my age plus and millennials. And they don't uh, think this way. Like you talked about in that show, Mr. Robot, uh, the biggest thing that the millennials are seeing is the inconsistency where somebody yep. says, you need to take these pills, yep. but I'm not going to do it myself. Yep. Uh, the yep. millennials yep. are yep. watching. Exactly right. Thank see. you so much, Jordan. I appreciate it. Great phone call. Uh, and now this. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about Goldline. And let me see. I've got a couple of things here that I think um, are really important. One, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia declare states of emergency as gas shortages loom after pipeline leak. This is really going to affect our economy really hard soon. Already has. Um, Harvard economist, U.S. should phase out all currency larger than $10 bills. How long have I been telling you? Three years? Three years I've been telling you this is coming? (laughs) Harvard economist, U.S. should phase out all currency larger than $10 bills. Not even 20s? Nope. Nope. They are trapping your money in banks, and they are trapping your money into digits. Mm. Once they have it all digitized, once once we can have the situation where the dollar can collapse, then they reset your value of whatever you had in the bank for whatever you want, whatever that dollar is worth. Please hear me. Please, please, please. Call Goldline. Call them now. Please. It's, I don't know when. I'm horrible at timing, but it is coming. one goldline one goldline Buy with confidence with their price guarantee program. Ask them. Ask them about their... They, they are more transparent than anybody else, by far. They will give you all the information you need, and you're smart enough to figure it out. Please don't listen to the people who think 
no offense, because I'm one of them, like old people. The world has changed. The world has changed. Think differently. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. We have David McIntosh on um, in a minute. He's going to give us the club for growth guys for the House and the Senate, the guys that we need to be um, looking out for. We talked to FreedomWorks last week. We have to hold the House and the Senate. We have to hold the House and the Senate. No matter who wins, the Republicans cannot lose the House and the Senate. And we need really good, strong, small government constitutionalists. They are out there. So who should you support? Who can you put your time and your money behind? We'll give you some suggestions and the latest in the poll numbers coming up. The Glenn Beck Program. David McIntosh, he heads up the club for growth. Uh, and we are, I want to talk to you about presidential politics a little bit, but I really want to co- concentrate on, on the uh, House and the Senate. Um, we've got to have a strong House and Senate, um, no matter who gets in. Right. And, and good people that understand small government, no nationalized banks, uh, you know, the Constitution, all of that stuff. Please tell me we have some good people that you guys are backing. I, I do have good news there. Um, and you're right. We've got to make sure the Republican majority stays in the Senate. Not that they've done a great job, but they will at least put roadblocks, whether it's Trump or Hillary Clinton, as president. And we've got a couple good people who are on the bubble this time. Pat Toomey in re-election in Pennsylvania. Uh, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. A new great member, um, Dr. Fleming in Louisiana, is someone I see a lot of promise in. He served in the House the last several cycles and showed that he would stand up to leadership on health care and other issues. The best promise is in the House, where we've seen about a six, development of the Freedom Caucus, about 60 members who are willing to say, Republican or Democrat leadership, we made promises of smaller government, Less taxes, less spending. We got to keep those. They have been, um, they have been eviscerated um, in the last um, Congress. Eviscerated by the Republicans. Um, called names, you know, blocked at every turn. They they didn't. Some of them did, but most of them did not sit down. 
Um, you know, there's there's at least 20 of them you can count on absolutely. Um, and But they're pretty alone, and especially looking at what, like Reince Priebus said, if you're not with us on the Donald Trump thing, you're dead to us. How how are these how are these freedom guys going to be able to come in if there is something that isn't unconstitutional or a you know Donald Trump is for nationalizing the banks if we have another problem uh, he's for three times the stimulus package that Hillary Clinton is for how are these guys going to stand well a couple of things one they're they're men and women of political courage they, they've as you pointed out they've been eviscerated they've been tromps around the head. They've been called names in Washington, uninvited from the A-list parties. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go home and their voters say, yes, do it, do more. And what we're seeing is the voters are actually sending more people like that. We, we replaced John Boehner uh, with a fellow Warren Davidson, who's a Freedom Caucus member. Uh, we had some great victories in North Carolina and just won in Arizona the other day. A, a guy named Andy Biggs won by 27 votes in his primary and was finally certified the winner. So we're going to see the Freedom Caucus grow. I actually think, and, and the Republican Party will admit this and behind closed doors, they're going to shrink the total number of Republicans in the House. It's going to be hard for them to keep the same margin. So that gives the Freedom Caucus guys a larger say. Mm. And I think they're picking people up. Yeah, they're picking people up. They're a bigger percentage of the conference. And Paul Ryan is in his heart a conservative. He doesn't have as strong a voting record as they do. But I think if we can surround him with more people who are true believers, he'll be a lot better speaker than John Boehner. I really want to like Paul Ryan. I just don't. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I really want to like him because I felt like he was so strong and he really gets in my heart. I believe he does get it. But what he does, he doesn't he doesn't come through. Yeah, he's got to start showing that he's a different guy than John Boehner was and not just part of the old problem. OK, so Scott Barrett, in New Jersey, is somebody that people should know and help out. Yep. Uh, uh, Rod Blum in, in Iowa. Iowa. Uh, anybody else in house in the house? Those are the key ones for the fall. Isn't Biggs? Is Biggs? Biggs just won his primary. It's a very Republican seat, so he should be okay. okay. All right. Uh, there'll be a couple seats in Louisiana. We haven't made an endorsement there, but there are three or four candidates running. Two of them are running for Senate, so there's two vacancies. And November essentially is the primary in Louisiana. It's that jungle primary where yeah. everybody runs, Democrat yeah. and Republican. And so we could have a, some very important seats there. Let me mention Scott Garrett in, in New Jersey. He was one of the first people the Club for Growth endorsed way back in the late 90s, has served and kept a strong 90-plus record, very conservative, been on the Financial Services Committee, wants to get rid of Dodd-Frank and federal intrusion mm-hmm. into the financial markets. Wow. He made a comment behind closed doors that he wasn't going to use his campaign money for candidates he disagreed with on the marriage issue. And some, one of his colleagues leaked that to the press. When Wall Street found out about it, they've basically cut him off on campaign donations. And now a former Clinton aide who is very liberal wants to bring in more regulation, undo all of the, the things that Scott stood for, has raised a ton of money and is giving him a run for his life on that. 
So he needs money. He needs money. He needs support. Uh, you, Scott Garrett, New Jersey. Scott Garrett, New Jersey. Um, I see Toomey is on your list. Uh, John Fleming, Louisiana. Uh, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio. We supported him early when he first ran. Uh, he was one of three people we said would be good candidates for president, certainly much better than Trump. He's now running for the Senate. Marco has, I think, evolved over time, and certainly on the immigration issue, has run into a lot of hot water. Well, he's, he's we, more conservative now than the current <laughs> candidate running, but that's yeah. a different story. Yeah. And um, we have endorsed him, urged people to support him for his reelect. The polls show he's doing very well. So uh, that of the four, he's the most likely to succeed, um, but still needs help if you're in Florida. Tell me about um, Daryl Glenn in Colorado because Ted Cruz has come out and endorsed him. He's going to be on, I think, later this week. Are you going to have? Yeah, he's supposed to. Be, everything I've heard is he's a great candidate. Why, why are you and I about yeah, him? Uh, we like him. We think Daryl is a great candidate. Our concern was his model for running the race. We weren't sure would he be able to raise the money to okay. really put up a, a So it's not his policies. Not his policies. Okay. As he gets closer, um, and, and we're looking at the other seats uh, being locked down, uh, we'll take another look at Daryl because he is a strong conservative. Uh, you'll love him on your show, very articulate spokesman for all the things we believe. You just are, you're looking at putting your money where you really think you can make a difference and you're not sure yet on him. That's right. Okay, good. That's easy. Um, uh, tell me about, let me, let me switch now to uh, what Reince Priebus said. By the way, let me say on Daryl, back when we looked at it, he was 20-some points down. Nobody knew him. He has done a good job of closing the gap. The yeah. latest poll I showed, he was down into single digits. Yeah, so wow. we're going to track that. Okay, good. Um, um, Reince Priebus said, if you're not endorsing Donald Trump, basically you're dead to us. We're not going to help you on any campaigns going forward if you're a GOP candidate. Um, we have already heard that they are trying to put somebody up against Ted Cruz here in Texas. Yeah. Have you heard that? And what do things look like for people who went against the GOP? Yeah. So I doubt that Reince or the Republican Party is putting up somebody against Ted. But there are people here in Texas, you know, folks that lost to him the first time he ran mm -hmm. and others who are upset that he didn't come out and say, I endorse Donald Trump. I think what you'll see after the election is Ted Cruz will look a lot wiser to everybody and some of that will fall off. Um, you know, we're a big supporters of Ted. We ended up endorsing him for president at the end of the primary cycle, um, helped him win Wisconsin. Tried to win Indiana, my home state, and, and didn't make it there. Um, I think Indiana's dead to us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got Mike Pence coming yeah. over there. I will, I will say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me say, I think what's going to happen is the Republican Party after the election will wake up and say, we're badly fractured, and if we keep shooting it ourselves, uh, the Democrats will keep winning. And so I think folks like Ted Cruz, people who don't support Donald Trump right now, are going to be welcome back and, and you'll see the Republican we were just, Party. We were just talking about to, to a millennial who said, people don't understand what's happening with the millennials. Millennials, this is sealing the image of the Republican Party for a very long time with millennials because, you know, 
it's just it's just bad news. Um, what does what does America look like with either Hillary or Donald Trump in four years if we continue down this road? What does what does America look like in four years? So uh, I think you see a continued decline um, among the, the social fabric for either of them. Um, Hillary's widely accepted that she's just not truthful, and and people are are going to say, okay, if the president of the United States can lie and get away with it, so can I, yeah. and cheat, and, and it, I'm going to get what I can get. Um, if Trump is president, I think you'll see a general degrade of the way people deal with each other, that, that you know, the reality TV phenomena will become more of life rather than made-up reality TV. Um, my biggest worry is on the economy, though, where both of them have said they will stop free trade agreements, they'll renegotiate NAFTA and others. They've even talked about imposing huge tariffs on goods coming into the United States. Well, all you have to do is look back about 100 years ago mm-hmm. when we had the Smoot-Harley ta- yep. tariffs. Smoot-Harley. What was a recession became the Great Depression because those tariffs destroyed the U.S. economy, destroyed much of the world economy. People don't. People are. People have taken and they are saying basically what Donald Trump is saying. You know, we're being we're being screwed by other countries, and and uh, you know it's time that countries pay their fair share, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's a disconnect and a jump to these trade agreements, which they don't understand that. Huge tariffs always lead to really bad things. Yeah. And, and what two things happen. One, uh, they impose a tariff back on our goods. So everything we make here suddenly is more expensive around the world. Second, they lose out on their economy, so they don't have money to buy U.S. goods. So we make things here and send it to China, send it to Mexico, send it around the world. Do you believe these tariffs would be smooth holly in its, in its result? I do believe if they did that, especially if you impose an across-the-board, you know, I've seen 45% yes. on goods coming from China. And there's another problem where, and Trump has done this, he said if Ford Motor Company moves jobs to Mexico, I'll impose a 35% tariff on cars coming back into the country. Well, the, the kill Ford. You know, the problem with that is nobody will invest in the United States if they don't have the flexibility to open and close plants. If the investment, the capital is stranded here because the government says if you redeploy it somewhere else, we're going to impose a huge tax on you, people will invest everywhere but the United States. And we lose, we lose jobs, we lose in the whole economy. This is unfair to say to you with only about 90 seconds left, but... <laughs> Um, we are now an emotional country. Logic loses. You just made a very good case against tariffs. Both parties, nobody is listening to that logic, and it is so easily verifiable through history and just simple economics. How do we move forward when everyone just wants to punish the other side? I think what we've got to do is reestablish that Americans can compete and that we don't need these punishing tariffs that actually hurt us. We'll probably have to do some, some real TV work where we show some of the emotion behind what it's like to lose your job because Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton put a huge tariff on 
And so your plant that sold things around the world was closed down. We are the number two global manufacturer and exporter. Number two. We're only behind China, and who has four times as many people. We are still a, a very productive society here, and we export a lot of things. Tariffs would kill our economy. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> David, thank you so much. My do you pleasure. Have, you have things on clubforgrowth.com or something where you can see these candidates? Yes, we do. Uh, go to clubforgrowth.org. Okay. And... Um, you can join for free and then look at everything we have. You can see our candidates just by visiting the site. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Clubforgrowth.org. Um, you want to say it one more time? Yeah, three times clubforgrowth.org. <laughs> three times is the charm. Uh, and now this. If you're a small business person like I am, you know that hiring the right person is really, really critical to um, your business. But if you're a small business person, you're also probably having a hard time hiring because you're doing so much stuff yourself that's where ZipRecruiter.com comes in. They know how the small business person thinks, and they know the pressures on you. You can post to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, with a single click. So you write up the job description, you push one click, and it's 100-plus job sites. Find the candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. You post once, and then they all come into the interface from ZipRecruiter, and there's no juggling of emails or calls to your office. You screen the candidates, you rate them, and then you hire the right person the first time. Over a million businesses already use ZipRecruiter. Try it for free today by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Again, try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. This week in Serials, you'll learn about the breakdown of the American family. Listen live or online at glennbeck.com slash Serials. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Triple eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Talked to Buck Sexton, who was just around the corner of that bombing in New York uh, on Saturday night. We'll talk to him about that and uh, what it means. Also, have you seen the spat between us and uh, and Russia in Syria? Not good. Really not good. Um, the Russians have said that we are now um, fighting on behalf of ISIS. Uh, against uh, the Syrian forces, and we're helping ISIS get away with the bombing that we did. It's The lines are being drawn in Syria. We'll get into that a little bit. And Stu has the latest on the poll numbers and a way to reach out to millennials for the vote. All coming up next hour. Stand by. Mercury. Hello, America. A lot going on today. Millennial voters may cost Hillary Clinton the election. 
The Democratic nominee hasn't matched the support of Barack Obama that he garnered during the uh, presidential campaigns. This may be why Barack Obama came out this weekend and said, I'll consider it a personal insult if you stay at home. Oh, no, not a personal insult. Um, we have a guy later on this hour uh, from Silicon Valley who wants millennials to vote. And he's creating a tool to help them along. But who will they vote for? Looks like they're not really running to Hillary Clinton, even if they do vote. Uh, We'll get into that and also the polls. And we want to talk a little bit about terrorism. Buck Sexton was about a block away from the explosion, the bombing in New York this weekend. He is our national security expert, and there's a lot to go over today. We go to Buck Sexton beginning right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Buck Sexton, formerly with the CIA, uh, and um, uh, and was in New York City on Saturday when he heard an explosion. Buck, tell me what happened. Well, Glenn, I was just out on uh, Saturday night. I was actually up on a, on a roof in, in Chelsea, uh, I mean, a couple of couple of blocks away uh, and i heard the blast and i turned to uh, the person i was with and i said right away i said that's that's an explosion um and i, and I knew that you know that, that, that there had been some kind of a bomb it was possible in my mind at the time maybe it was a gas main or something but i knew that that was uh likely something else and and i got on the phone as quickly as i could with some of my old uh well with one of my old colleagues um, in the NYPD, who handles counterterrorism, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm pretty sure something just went down. You got to, and and you know, of course, at that point, it was already all getting spun up, and everybody realized that this was really, this is really serious. My uh, my brother, one of my brothers, had also just walked right past the actual site of the uh, of the bombing about 30 minutes before it went off. So this was this is right in my right in my area, and obviously brings back uh, a lot of memories from the old counterterrorism days when I used to work on these issues. So, um, Buck, what do we know about uh, the guy? And there was they found a bomb in uh, Elizabethtown, New Jersey, as well. Yeah, uh, there were a couple. Of, it looks like there's one individual tied to all three. Uh, Ahmed Rahani, uh, he's the guy who it, it is tying all of this together. I mean, this is at this point he's still obviously a suspect. It's not clear exactly. In, um, including wait, is he tied including to the early morning Semper Fi uh, charity run? Yeah, I, I, they think that right now he's tied to the Elizabethtown one, and he's also yeah he's tied to the, the two bombs in New Jersey and also the one in Chelsea. Okay. This is based on the way that they've uh, pulled together, or way the devices rather were, were put together. Uh, it seems like there were some similarities. That's standard, by the way. I mean anybody. Uh, you know, in the audience who's listening, who's worked EOD, who's been in Iraq, Afghanistan, these guys, bomb making is inherently a very precarious business, especially if you're creating your own detonators and making IEDs. Uh, you can imagine things go wrong. And so once one of these guys figures out a, a formula, a way to make the, the device more or less go off when it's supposed to, they tend to repeat it. There tends to be a repetition in that. So it seems that there were the, the same flip phones used. There are some other markers, some indicators 
of the actual devices that that bring all together. And then also you have surveillance footage. And there's a lot of elements all coming together. Any idea if, he was, al- good- Any idea if he was alone? Uh, to me, it, it, it seems like they've made these arrests out in, uh, I think it was in, in Brooklyn last night right, or uh, right. near the Verrazano Bridge. Um, so there's a very real possibility. I mean, uh, there's a likelihood, I would say, there's a cluster, meaning there are people around him that yeah. should have or would have known what was going on, whether they were part of an operational cell, meaning they were active participants in this. Uh, not sure. I mean, look, the, the, good, the good news about this, as, as everyone already knows, is nobody died, nobody was seriously injured, but that's only due to some of the uh, poor decisions from a sort of terrorist perspective made by this guy. I mean, the, the biggest one being that, that he, it seems that he put this device in a big steel dumpster, which shows that he figured out how to make a bomb, but he just still doesn't know very much about uh, about how explosives function. Right. And, and that right. probably was the reason we didn't have real casualties and, and some people died here. Um, let's move to uh, Minnesota. Any connection? No connection as far as uh, everything that I can see. I mean, I've, also, I've been speaking to some law enforcement friends who are specifically on the counterterrorism side about, about all of this, and, and they do think uh, that this is just you know, coincidence in terms of the timing. They have two incidents like this. Um, but, you know, that, that could obviously change depending on new information coming in. Uh, not a lot of reporting from what I'm seeing about the fact that uh, the bad guy in Minnesota was stopped by a, a good guy with a gun. Uh, yeah. But again, this is this is part of the of the narrative. I was, you know, Glenn. It's it's a personal thing when when you are that close to a bomb. Uh, it's in your neighborhood. Um, I have multiple family members who live within. I mean, when I say they live close, we're talking about a, a, a minute or two stroll from where that is. That is the subway, the one right next to the bombing that I used to take every day to go to the Blaze for work in New York City. Uh, so when that sort of thing happens and then you see the media immediately pull out the let's not jump to conclusions about this, let's not be Islamophobic, how about let's focus on finding out who these guys are, where, they're, where they are, and stopping the next bombing attack. It was, I, I've actually lost all patience with this narrative that keeps coming out from some of the biggest networks and names out yeah, there. I know. This is, I mean, we, we've talked about this. We talked about this this morning. I don't see how this doesn't work to Donald Trump's advantage in a big way. Oh, it, it absolutely will. And, and whether, you know, I think it's fair to point out that Trump doesn't have any counterterrorism knowledge and doesn't, uh, doesn't have any foreign policy experience or knowledge. But you know what? He at least speaks about the bad guys like they're bad guys. And people are really sick of all of the sort of double talk and the nonsense from people like Hillary Clinton who always seem like they're more concerned with the possibility of hurt feelings or saying something that's politically incorrect, incorrect. than focusing on this very issue. I mean, and, and you know, Glenn, you, you, I, I go on CNN sometimes and have to have to look at this issue, have to deal with oh, this I issue. I, I'm waiting for when we're told that this is our fault somehow. You know, that we didn't. Uh, that we, we, somebody was mean to him. He was the last one picked for dodgeball, or somebody made fun of his name or something ten years ago. And that's why he's trying to blow up uh, my fellow right. New Yorkers, my you know fellow New Jerseyans. I mean, this is outrageous. All right, Buck, thank you very much. Stay safe up in New York, and we'll talk again. Thanks, uh, I, lo- you bet. I love, by the way, um, Hillary Clinton said, uh, I'm the only candidate, making the point that Buck was making there, that obviously Trump, this has not been his forte, and, you know, obviously. 
Uh, Hillary tried to take advantage of that, said, uh, I'm the only candidate who has been part of the hard decisions to take terrorists off the battlefield. Uh-huh. Um, uh, just, yeah. Which, of course, that's not a hard decision. Hard, hard decision. Like the, the toughest decision made since the days of Charlemagne. You're right. When they decided to kill Osama bin Laden. That was hard. It was a hard, hard. In fact, I think it goes back to Xerxes. I, I don't think anybody's made a hard decision like that oh, hard. Yeah. since the time of Xerxes. When they said, hey, go ahead and kill Osama bin Laden, who killed 3,000 Americans. Tough decision. I mean, it's literally wow. probably the easiest decision. Right? right? And it was a decision um, made by the previous administration, and America all agreed to it. And it's the one thing that uh, <laughs> Republicans would, would totally and have given Barack Obama a break on, right? Like, yes. he, goes, he goes there and, and doesn't kill Osama bin Laden, but he's trying to and something bad happens. We're going to say, well, look, he's trying to kill Osama bin Laden. What are you going to do? I mean, I, right. like that's the one. In fact, every military person involved in that would say, well, what if, if there's a 5% chance we get Osama bin Laden, we're going in. Well, what, was there any blowback from no. the worst day in the history of the Navy SEALs when 24 of them died in that helicopter uh, incident when they were shot down in the helicopter by the Taliban? It, it didn't get any blowback from that. No, I mean, obviously it's tragic and we... And we it's uh, awful and nobody, you know, we were all mourning those SEALs and continue to. But he didn't get blamed for that, even though, you know, there's some people who think he should. Right. That's bizarre. Uh, I, I thought um, the, potentially the best response to Hillary Clinton saying, I'm, I'm the only candidate who's been part of the hard decisions to take terrorists off the battlefield, was Evan McMullen, who said, uh, no, Hillary, you were not. He's a former CIA <laughs> agent who actually did that work. That's uh, so it's a great, great point for him to bring up. Uh, but, you know, uh, he, and by the way, he, will, he did make the Texas ballot uh, for, as a write-in candidate. Um, which was kind of uh, some news over the weekend. He actually asked for him because they are excluded from the debate. It's official now. And so uh, he asked uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein do their own. Do their own, which would be interesting. I wouldn't watch, but it'd be interesting. I'd, I'd watch it. Watch Did you watch it? it? Yeah. I'd watch it. Throw Daryl Castle in there maybe too. From Throw Daryl Castle in there. And uh, you know, why not? I mean, I, I'd like to hear these other voices. And I, honestly, I think the American people do. Even people I'd like who to are, host it. Yeah, oh, I'd That's love that. that. That'd be great. You do have a network. You do realize that. that. Came I know that. My I mind. Know if you know that. Actually. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, if we have space, and we also have cameras. We do. We have both we of those. Put so. that together, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Um, you know, even Hillary supporters and Trump supporters, mm-hmm. uh, overwhelmingly, when polled, asked, uh, "Do they want other candidates in the debate like Gary Johnson?" And they say yes. I mean, you know, it, it no, be- they don't. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but they say that. <laughs> but they, don't. they don't. They don't want them. You're saying they don't want them. I think they do. I think most people would want them in one debate. I mean, if Gary Johnson goes on there and starts talking like he did this week about terrorism, where he's like, oh, you know what I think would be one of the reasons I'm right. It'd be fascinating. It could be interesting to deal with those problems. Okay, oh well, my that's, gosh, not, that's, that's not... That's, I, I've never done that before, so I think it'd be really It doesn't fill me with confidence. It's really no, fun and interesting. I, and, uh, you know, I think so bad. at that level, he's somewhat honest to a fault. Like, you know, yeah. like it, no, actually, you should just say you have a better idea than <laughs> you say you do. Uh, but, uh, you know... It's the opposite of Trump, right? Where Trump says he knows every, he knows more than the generals do about us. Yes. <laughs> so I don't. that's what he was excited about when they got him on you know the the blowing up thing. He said, "What, what was it that?" Oh yeah, I, I, was, I guess I was guessing that it was a bomb, but my guess seems. Well, yeah, because think about what this con- this dumb controversy where the Stupid media was trying to take on Donald Trump for saying it was a bomb before it was officially confirmed. They thought maybe bomb. it was like chestnuts that blew up, well, you know, by a subway. It happens a lot. Explosion. It does oh, happen man, in New York, but yeah, still, it wasn't. And you know, so yeah. why why are you making this into an issue? But so Trump's reaction to that 
instead of saying, actually, I, you know, had some sources or I looked at the, all of the evidence and, and determined correctly what it was, he says, instead, uh, what I said was exactly correct. I should be a newscaster because I called it before the news. Which is <laughs> well, that's not just, what a newscaster does, right? First of all, not I believe, what I want out of my newscaster. And I believe you have said you have, would would sue newscasters for <laughs> not using the facts. Well, look, exactly. no, but he's, he's also all admi- for. But hold on, he's also admitting that he didn't have the facts right. when he said it. Right. He was right. saying he, he called it before not, the no, news. Roger Ailes was not close by. No, <laughs> that's what I'll give you that. He also said uh, this morning that uh, look, the people that. Uh, have the magazines that publish instructions how to make those explosive devices. Uh, so I see the other day, and they're all talking about it so wonderfully because it's called Freedom of the Press, where you buy magazines and they tell you how to make the same bombs that you saw. I would, now people will go crazy. They'll say, they'll say Trump is against freedom of the press. I'm totally in favor of freedom of the press, but how do you allow magazines to be sold? These are magazines that tell you <laughs> from step one to go to the store and buy such and such. Right. You know what, though? This works for him because he's he's totally in favor of free trade, but he wants to he wants to impose tariffs. He's totally for freedom of press, but he wants to shut down magazines. Right. It works for him. I mean, people are like, well, yeah, he's he's totally totally for it. He just has to do it. It is possible because Hillary Clinton is so incredibly weak. Yeah, she has said, well, now let's not jump to any conclusions. Everybody's past that. And so everybody, it's a Bubba effect. Everybody is looking at it and going, you guys are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Are you for p- taking magazines off? The- no, that won't help anything. You can guess, also get it online. So if you get it online, what do we shut down online now? What do Not we start- every site, but we yeah. need to shut down some. I mean, it's crazy. You can't go down that hole. But nobody is thinking that way uh, yeah, because it- the others have denied reality so much. And all they hear is... At least he'll do something. Right. At least, Buck just said it, at least he recognizes the problem. And something has to be done. And Don't worry about doing the right thing. Just do something something has to be done. Which we've heard for eight years on the gun control thing. Something Something has to be done. Or climate change. change. The the bomb-making magazines scares me less, obviously. I think that's a typical Republican viewpoint. I mean, that's not even, you know, when he's talking about suing all these magazines and putting them out of business because they've personally said something that insults him, that is, you know, even more frightening. I mean, look, the bottom line is most... What did Jonah Goldberg say this weekend? Uh, Goldberg had a statement oh, this weekend. Yes, he, he said pass assault. I think one of, was one well, of the said things. That one of the he said that, too. That wasn't what I was referring to. Well, yesterday to. was national... I think he said good night, honey. He had to have said uh, and, no, um, no, it's not what he said. Well, he said that, too. It, he did. To be fair to Pat, I mean, he did say yeah. that clearly, quite clearly, he said it this yeah. morning. Basically, uh, Trump had said something like, you know, my lawyers, are, he tweeted, my lawyers are going to go out and... and, and, and go after the New York Times. Go after the New York Times. They want, they want, they're they're begging me to sue the New York Times or, because of, um, uh, like, intentional... Yes, oh. intentional... Intentional something or other. Or irresponsibility. Irresponsibility. Yeah, irresponsible, irresponsible intent. intent. Which, as far as I know, not something you could sue not a, for. I've never thing. heard of it. But his attorneys, his attorneys are suing, want him to sue, begging him to sue. Yeah. Read this. Uh, so, uh, so he wrote, writes, my lawyers want to sue the failing New York Times uh, so badly for irresponsible intent, whichever, whatever that is. That's, that's I, I said, no, for now, but they are watching. Really disgusting. Okay, stop, stop, just there. I've said no for now. So he's threatening... His attorneys, 
with irresponsible intent. With something that doesn't exist. No, no. He, his, oh, his no. Want to. No, no, no. He is, he is threatened. His attorneys, if they believe they can sue the New York Times for irresponsible intent, I want to meet these magic. Well, clients. he said it doesn't matter um, because he said no. Right. right so now. he's, he's saying I'm, I'm holding him back. I'm holding him back. So he's, he's flexing his muscles. But mm-hmm. listen to this. Uh, Jonah Goldberg tweets, oh, here's a fun game. Replace my lawyers with my DOJ, which would make it my DOJ wants to sue the falling, failing New York Times so badly for irresponsible intent. Uh, again, like the point is right. he's going to use those same levers of power he believes he has now with his lawyers and these mythical things with the power of the government. And I think the that's The power true. of the Oval yeah. Office, this man can do all kinds of things. And so can she. Uh, she uh, no, no. Say, and a lot of the uh, same And stuff. she will. But. She he, look at the FBI. Yep. Look at the FBI. Fun. Fun times we're in. And now this. You want to keep your family and your property safe, uh, but you don't want to be conned. You don't want to be conned into paying more for the, than what you need. You want to be in control of your family's protection. I personally like the idea that I own the system, that the system doesn't own me. And that's what is the problem with the home security in the past. The system owns you. It, it is something that um, it's wired into your home, and you leave it there for the next sucker to come in and sign up with that. And if if they don't want to sign up with that, they have to they have to buy another system uh, and put the other company's system in there. It's crazy. You own Simply Safe. You own the system. There's no wires. It is it's all um, wireless technology. This is the new way. You select what you need. You know how many windows you have. You know how many doors you need. If you know, you'll figure out wh- where you need motion sensors, and they can help you on that if if you want. But you own it. Then there's no contract, and it's fourteen ninety nine a month for monitoring. Fourteen ninety nine for monitoring per month, as opposed to fifty or sixty bucks a month. You own it. You can move with it, um, and uh, there's no contract. This is a no-brainer. It's kind of a good deal. Simply, thank you, Jeffy. <laughs> SimplySafeBeck.com. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there and you'll receive a, a free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote worth 25 bucks. It's SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Stream the show live on iHeartRadio or listen later on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. CNN has just reported that uh, Ahmed Romani is now in custody. He is the uh, New York bomber. New York, New Jersey, all the... the Alleged. Yeah, again, they're all alleged and we don't know for sure. But again, usually when they have, in a place like New York with all those cameras, uh, and they and they apparently had a bomb un- that did not detonate that had a cell phone attached to it, which is mm-hmm. part of the reason why they think they know who he is. When they have this much information, most of the time it seems to turn out uh, that it is that person. However, of course, we still hold off the uh, you know, the full accusation. But I mean, it, he is alleged at this point. But they seem to have pretty darn good information. And yeah, he's Buck was tested. talking about because Buck had talked to his sources in the terrorism task force in New York, and he said, you know, didn't he just say that they had surveillance tapes? 
Yeah, I think they have all sorts of camera footage. Also, they that those arrests of five, not arrests, at least questioning of five people near the Verrazano Bridge last night. They think it could be a larger group, but this was the main guy. They put this guy's photo out. They were sure he was involved, uh, at least as close as they can be sure before a trial. So, uh, at least the good news, he's in he's in custody. Good. Back in just a second. like police have captured the uh, bombing suspect. There was a shootout uh, before they captured him. Um, and we'll bring you more details as we uh, go along. But they do have the uh, suspect that um, uh, created the bombs over the weekend in New, New York and New Jersey. And the stabber in Minnesota uh, was killed over the weekend. So um, I want to take you to uh, a guy who is, is, kind of does Shark Tank for a real job. Um, it's not a TV show. It's just, I guess, more boring meetings um, than anything else. Uh, y Combinator, uh, uh, com- Combinator is the name of his company and his full-time job. His name is Sam Altman. He is a millennial out in Silicon Valley, um, described as Silicon Valley royalty. So welcome, Your Highness. How are you, Sam? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Um, uh, what you do full-time is kind of like Shark Tank, right? Yeah, sort of. Without the theatrics, uh, we, we yeah, try right. to find people with really important new ideas and come them and advise them and help them build large companies. Correct. So um, y- you have started uh, VotePLZ.org. dot uh, org, yes. and and why did you do this? Look, this election is really important to me, and I think a lot of a lot of other people. And one of the things we realize is that it, as technology goes on, uh, it is getting harder and harder for young people to participate. Um, the world has moved a lot. Young people now do almost everything on their smartphones, and the the voting system has not moved in the same direction. So uh, many young people don't have access to a printer or a stamp anymore. Um, I certainly don't myself. Uh, but in many states, you still need those things to register or a driver's license, and many young people don't drive anymore. They take Uber. And so we realized that our, our democratic system uh, was dependent on technology to make it easier to vote because that's what Young people now do, and you know, young people have to live with the results of this election the longest. So we wanted to just make it easier to register to vote, and then actually vote on election day. So, what are you seeing um, uh, happening with millennials? Because millennials, we we talked about this about an hour ago. Millennials, uh, I think, get it more than anybody else in many ways. They see that the system is is broken. They see the two party system is a joke. They're betrayed, you know, really by both sides. They're going to have to pay for all of these things, uh, as you said. They're going to have to live with it the, the longest. Are they are they punching out? And uh, let me ask you this: In Silicon Valley, around all the you know really big brains, do you hear anybody ever talk about the founders? 
and the Look, founding documents? In, yes, and I think there is a sense that something has gone deeply wrong uh, and that it is time for a new solution. I think one thing you hear in Silicon Valley a lot is how long it will be until we see a new major party form. Um, I think some people think it won't be that long. But but I'd, I'd say there is a real sense that uh, the, the current system is broken, it's not working for anyone, and you know there's an openness to new ideas. And um, when you say new ideas, because I've, I've, I've talked to people out in Silicon Valley, and they are both, um, uh, sometimes they are uh, dynamic and really get freedom and make me think way out of the box. And other times it is the same socialist, you know, 1900s stuff that is not new think, but it seems to be packaged as new think. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Silicon Valley is a big place with a lot of different ideas, and I'm sure you can find all of that and yeah. more. Um, but, but in general, what I meant is this idea that, you know, there's this thing called politics, and it's this career where you go and you, you know, poll test everything, and you say these inflammatory things, or you attack this other person, and that's how you get to the, the current situation that we're in. Uh, I think people think there's got to be a better way to do it than that. We thought this and, morning... And that, go ahead. Uh, just that there's like a, a desperate need to get new new people, uh, new ideas into the system. We were, we were talking this morning about um, how the millennials uh, are looking at... Uh, uh, at the GOP, and I think the GOP is finished. I think it's just done um, because millennials are not there. They've this election has built a wall. Um, I think for millennials, uh, and they just see this like a you know like a 1972 you know Pontiac uh, Bonneville that nobody wants, <laughs> uh, and uh, and they're just not they're just not going there. So. You said so you know a lot more about this than I do. What happens to the GOP after this election? <laughs> what would I like to see happen, or what do I think is going to happen? How about both? I what I'd like to see happen. How did I lose control of the show? <laughs> um, what I'd like to see happen is um, that a. Um, uh, a a moment like a Charles Sumner moment where somebody stands up and says, I've had enough. Both of you parties stink. And there's enough of the Republicans and the Democrats that walk out and say, we're going towards the Constitution. And you guys aren't serious about solving any of these problems like they did in the 1850s, which led to Abraham Lincoln and the founding of the Republican Party. Except without the caning. You know, except uh, without part. the blood all yeah, in, the, in, the, yeah. in the Senate. Mm-hmm. But... Um, uh, I'd like to see a new party emerge, and because I think the Republicans will, I think the Republican Party is worthless and should cave. Um, what I think could happen, depending on who wins, um, uh, I uh, I think we could have um, real strife um, and a. Um, a shutting down, you know, when when Charles Sumner stood up and first said that in the Senate, they caned him. They took a cane to him and beat him almost to death in the Senate. And then they wore chains. Both Republicans and the Democrats made little teeny canes and wore them around their neck as as a tribute to the guy who almost beat the senator to death for his his view of both parties. And that was kind of a warning that went on for about eight years that said. Don't screw with us. Um, we have all of the power. 
I think we could go into a system like that where people are punished for standing up against them, but it won't last long, especially with, especially with the Internet and people like you that will give people access uh, to the system. I, I do think that that is an exciting new trend that we're seeing, which is that, uh, that we'll have better participatory democracy than we've had in a long time. I think if we can figure out how to get people engaged directly uh, and, and, and caring and participating and being able to be heard, uh, we can sort of overpower these people that say don't mess with the system. How can and, we get, and hopefully see new, new people and new parties. How can we get people to be engaged but also be engaged with their brain? I mean, the last thing we need is the vote to turn into a game show. And it, I mean, we're, we're halfway there now. But how do we get people to be engaged uh, as well as involved? Look, I, I think we have some deeper societal problems there. Um, the, you know, to some degree, if, if you make reality TV the uh, thing that everyone wants and that everyone watches and everyone talks about, then you shouldn't be yeah. surprised to get a reality TV star as a candidate. And so I think we have to decide as a society uh, how we're going to uh, educate our young people and what we're going to talk about and how we're going to spend our time and what the expectations are for an engaged, thoughtful member of society. Do you think millennials have a sense that, um, at least that I have, that it's not going to be my generation? You know, Einstein said the, um, the thought process that went into screwing it up is and I'm wildly paraphrasing, a uh, thought process that went into screwing things up is not a thought process that's going to be able to fix it. Um, I, I really believe it's going to be the millennials that come and save the republic. Do you have a sense of that at all? Yeah, I, look, I think millennials feel um, really screwed and that they're going to have to fix a lot of other people's mistakes. And that uh, it's something has gotten pretty screwed up uh, and that there are, you know, the existing people in power aren't going to fix it uh, and that there's mm-hmm. going to be a reckoning with all of the problems that have just building, you know, been building up and the kind of looming um, economic challenges that are going to face the country over the next couple of decades. And I think the good news is that in general, I think young people are, always pretty optimistic and, you know, have an attitude of this is going to be a hard thing and it's up to us to fix it and and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, Sam, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's votePLZ.org. VotePLZ.org. Real quick, how does it work? Sam, are you there? Uh, And we make it super easy to register wherever you are. And if you, you know, we'll mail in a form for you or anything else you need. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it. Sam, Sam Altman. Uh, votepLz.org. If you're not registered, if kids aren't registered, pass this on to as many people as you can. Um, they're trying to get millennials um, to uh, vote. And by the way, should have asked them for, for Jeffy if if he could, you know, get uh, uh, you know, criminals uh, registered. Because I know that's a problem for a lot of yeah, people. Know, but for, maybe this can pull it off. Right. Um, just in a completely unrelated story, the Atlantic. Um, is reporting when Hillary Clinton delivers a speech aimed at millennials in Philadelphia on Monday, she'll be confronting perhaps the most persistent weakness in her career as a national candidate. The whole reason it's close right now. When you look when you look uh, at the breakouts of these polls, the whole reason it's close is because... Uh, they're not going to her. Yeah, millennials are going to Gary Johnson. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like basically the whole story of this election right now is that. So anyway, fascinating. So millennials, please get registered. Uh, It's voteplz.org. Voteplz.org. That was an interesting side note there. And now this. Um, We all love our dogs. And uh, there is an interesting product that has come out from Casper Mattress. And I've told you about how Casper Mattress, um, I sleep on it. It's a great night's sleep. Uh, Sleep better on that than anything else I've ever slept on. Pat has the same thing. He's got a really bad back and sleeps and feels good when he gets up in the morning. But they have done something else. Um, If you're a dog lover, they have a Casper bed for dogs. Um, It is... I know it sounds opulent, it looks doesn't it? Really yeah, it does. It, it does, does look, look really comfortable. comfortable. I saw it when it first arrived here. Yeah. It looked really comfortable. I, I oh, we have one? That. I want to see that. Yeah. No, I have one. No, I mean, you said it arrived here. Oh, it arrived here, here and yes. then I brought it home. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was shipped here okay. for me. Um, it, it, it is, it's, it's nice. It's nice. I mean, you know, it's nice. Your dog is living large. <laughs> I uh, guess. But it is the memory-relieving foam, so, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, the memory foam, uh, and if you have a dog that, you know, um, you just want, deserves the very best or has a bad back, this is something where your dog, as they get older, this is a really, this is really nice for them. Easy to clean. if your dog has a bad back? Um, it tells you. My, it tells you. My dog doesn't get up very easily and okay. kind of whimpers. Yeah. Uh, machine washable cover, hidden zipper, keeps its shape. Plus, uh, you're just like your mattress. The dog doesn't like it in 100 nights. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. The same promise as the same promise. Bed. Yep. That's uh, awesome. The dog continues to get up <laughs> and whimper. Is, that is awesome. And speaking of your Casper. They come in different sizes or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all? different sizes. Yeah, different That's sizes. Um, your Casper, get the best night's sleep you've ever had. Use the promo code Beck at Casper.com. Save $50, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. That's Casper.com, promo code Beck. You can find the dog mattress and you can find your mattress. Casper.com, promo code Beck. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com, code Beck. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Program. All right. What have we missed today? What have we not covered? Uh, we didn't do the uh, polls. We never actually got Oh, yeah. Polls. That's what we want to do. You want to do yep. some of that? Some of the yes, polls? Yes, yes. Um, so uh, some interesting stuff that's happened. Again, I think the race is uh, considerably tightened. Um, at this point, I mean, I think it's fair to say the polls are basically even when it comes to uh, astonishing. polls. Um, you know, there's been some... Um, some interesting, you know, like I tried to come up with paths without Pennsylvania, which we've talked about, Pennsylvania being the most important state this whole time. Um, Trump had one really good poll in Pennsylvania where he was within one point. Uh, however, uh, the la- a new poll came out this morning, which had him down nine. I think it was 47, 38. Uh, now, Toomey, we talked about Pat Toomey in his Senate mm-hmm. race, was performing a little bit better. He was down five. 
Mm. This is the issue. Is like this is exactly what we were hearing from the club for growth earlier. Is that if Trump can keep it between four and five points, there's a good chance that Toomey holds that seat. If he can't get it that close, it's going to be problematic. Uh, but the average now has been it's probably around four or five points right now as far as Trump being behind and the Toomey race is incredibly close. So that one could go either way. As far as coming up with a pathway to uh, to victory for Donald Trump without Pennsylvania, which is a huge challenge. But you can do it if he pretty much sweeps everything uh, that you consider a sweep a swing state and can pull off a win in New Hampshire. So this would go as winning Nevada, winning Arizona. Uh, winning all the uh, Nebraska electoral votes. Well, he's not going to win New Hampshire. I, I, I have to tell I, you, I mean, how far away is he in New Hampshire? I can get you the, the poll. I, right I will down. tell you, every time I hear... He's had some good polls there. Every time I hear you, I think there's no way he's going to win. And then I, I listen to everybody well, I just, else. There was a, there was a headline <laughs> on Drudge this week. Uh, if he gets Florida, shock, he wins. Shock poll. Trump polls even in the electorate. Right. But I mean, I mean... Look, I hope you have more respect for me to, than to, to judge how, what I'm saying is against the Drudge Report, which is an no, I don't, campaign. I don't have any more respect. <laughs> well, that's fair. I, mean, I know I don't. I'll tell you that. I mean, no, if, in fact, I have less. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you the. I mean, uh, it, so I'm going with the shock poll. If you want, if you want the experts, I can yes. give you. I can give you all those real quick. No, you just um, give me the. Just give me the facts here. Right. So this is what the experts are saying. Okay. Um, and this is uh, across the board. New York Times, 74 percent. Hillary Clinton still, 538, 60 percent. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Now, I think 538 is the most friendly to Trump and also the one I trust the most out of this uh, uh, out of this uh, batch. They're all good. They all have, uh, you know, their way of doing it. Um, Daily Coast, I don't know much about, but they say only 65 percent for Hillary. So below the New York Times, Mm. Um, the betting markets say 72 percent. And Princeton is the most favorable for Clinton. They still say 88 percent chance she wins. Wow. Um, you know, but I mean, I, I, he's improved his standing quite a bit. I mean, oh, yeah, yes. it's under 60 percent at five. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Which is which is a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, if he can move these polls and pull off one state like Pennsylvania, he'll have an easy path. He just needs to somehow be able to do that. See you tonight in the Think Tank at five on the Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.